Welcome to the Best Self Podcast. This is the show for women who are tired of feeling tired, the sick of the to-do lists and the constant juggling of balls and spinning of plates, and they are ready to start putting themselves first again. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Best Self Podcast. It's your host, Nicola Fulstow, and I hope you are feeling bright, breezy and full of beans today. And if you are not, then I am hoping by the end of this podcast that you will be because that is my job. It is my job to get you feeling motivated and give you a bit of my energy, which is brimming today. I'm going to be honest, the sun is shining, been for a run with the dog this morning. And yeah, now I get to do like my favorite thing today, which is just talk to you guys. So I'm loving life this morning. So today the podcast is all about my journey with sober curiosity and how I spent over a year alcohol free. And I'm going to be honest with you, it was easy. <laughs> now that's something I never expected to say at all. I just need to caveat that right right up front because I'd probably spent the best part of a decade building up to giving up alcohol because it was something that I really, really wanted to do, but quite truthfully felt so overwhelmed by the idea. And honestly, there was part of me that just never believed I could even do it. So to stand here today and say, actually, it was so much easier than I ever thought it was, blows my own mind <laughs> because I always loved to drink. You know, I was that kid who, you know, I was having little glasses of wine with lemonade and, you know, at the, at the Christmas dinner table when I was probably too young to do that. You know, alcohol was and you know, my, my parents aren't alcoholics. They just like a drink socially. And obviously back in the day, you know, when I was younger, I don't think there was as much awareness around how dangerous it is and, you know, the downsides of it and the health impact it has, you know, so we were having, you know, like I say, little, little glasses of fake wine, you know, which was a, literally a splash of wine. And uh, we always joke as a family about how, um, my mum and dad would like, if we were on holiday in Spain, you know, they'd let us suck the fruit out of the sangria, the sangria jug. And then we'd be like, you know, afterwards, oh my God, I'm so drunk and <laughs> falling off our chair and stuff like that. When actually, you know, there was absolutely nothing wrong with us, but, you know, drink, booze, alcohol, whatever you want to call it, was a massive part of my upbringing and has been a massive part of my life. And I don't really like admitting that. I don't really like saying that. It sounds a bit sad, really, doesn't it? When you actually put it like that. But it's always been a big part of my life, you know, from going clubbing and going out to the pub every Friday and Saturday, you know, to then, yeah, like I say, going clubbing, university, all that to girls' holidays, to then celebrations, babies, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that I had a, a drink when our baby was born because quite frankly, I was absolutely destroyed from giving birth. So I don't think I drank, obviously I didn't drink throughout my pregnancy. And I, I remember even months afterwards, you know, just couldn't even stomach a drink. But apart from that, anybody else had a baby, you bet we were having a glass of champagne, Prosecco, anyone got married, I'm there. 
everything to do with celebration, pop a bottle. And I think, you know, this is very much the culture we're in now, isn't it? Alcohol is just so strongly related with success, celebration, good times, living life. You know, you only live once and all that sort of stuff. And the irony of it all was that I never really, my body never really coped with alcohol very well. So, you know, even from when I was younger, you know, my 20s, I was always the person who was sick the next day, storming hangovers, just felt horrendous after a night out. And even though I didn't, you know, I could kind of handle my alcohol in terms of I wasn't getting plastered and didn't get falling over drunk. But the next day, even if I'd only had a few, like my body would react quite violently to it, which you would think would have stopped me from drinking, but it didn't because the associations with celebration, with fun, with, you know, feeling alive and all that stuff were so much stronger than the hangover that I guess I've always been kind of thankful I did get hangovers because if I was one of these people who just was never hungover, God only knows how much I would have drank. I actually think it would have become a problem for me because I like a drink, you know? Like most women I know in my life, like most people actually, you know, I like a drink. And the thing is for me, the reason I decided to actually knock it on the head for a while was because I couldn't just have one anymore. I'd become incapable of having one. And having been through a number of challenges in my life since becoming a mom and having children and obviously having a business as well and just stresses of life and stresses of day-to-day life, I'd found that I was turning to alcohol more than I would like, especially through COVID. You know, it was something to do. I started to notice that, well, you couldn't go anywhere, so have a drink. And, you know, I think that was quite common with a lot of people. You know, we all kind of started drinking a little bit more than maybe we should have done. And that was, I fell into that category. And not only that, but I found that when I did drink a lot of the time, it just made me so tired. I was just exhausted to the point of drowsiness. And I don't know whether that's been my age, hormones, some sort of change in my body, but just alcohol in general was not agreeing with the person I wanted to become. And it was part of the Best Self Project, you know, very much who I wanted to become was someone who was full of energy, who was full of life and vibrancy, who was passionate, who was healthy, who was strong and confident. And part of that for me, there was just this inner knowing that really I needed to address my issues with alcohol. And it wasn't like I was, you know, had a I'm going to use the word problem with alcohol in that people assume that if you say you've got a problem with alcohol, that, you know, you're getting up in the morning and you have, I don't know, a bottle of vodka with your cornflakes. And and that wasn't me at all. I was just very much a regular drinker, just like everybody else I know. But inside it didn't feel regular anymore. It felt a little bit dependent. I felt like I was thinking about having that drink on a Friday night after work. I felt like I was looking forward to something because I could have a drink. And that started to just feel very wrong. And I decided that I wanted to have a period of time sober. And quite honestly, when I started this journey, the, it was it was the day after my 30th birthday and I woke up so hungover having, having had a party, sick, terrible migraine, you know, the work's awful and decided I was going to give up alcohol. 
And 10 years later, it still hadn't happened. And I just had my 40th birthday and I'd said I was going to give up drinking then and just still didn't. And then throughout this entire time though, I'd been doing something because on that 30th birthday, I'd said, I'm, I'm giving up, I'm, I'm giving up the booze and then hadn't done it. But since then, I'd been reading lots and lots of literature. They call it quitlet if you deal in a lot of sober circles, as in quitting literature. So I read loads of quitlet. I read loads of stories, information, books and books and books about becoming sober, about alcohol, about what it does to your body, about people who'd done it. I got inspired and started to believe that I could do it. But let me be straight here. This this was over the course of 10 years. I remember five years before I actually took the plunge, you know, deciding again, I was going to do it. This was a 10 year process. So when I say, you know, I gave it up for a year, I need you to know that it wasn't that easy for me. This wasn't something that wasn't a big part of my life. And I kind of just dropped it and never thought about it again. This was a big deal for me. So I wanted to share today, in case you are like me, for whatever reason, wanting to change your relationship with alcohol, I'm going to share some of the strategies I've used to get there, to make it easier. Because what I knew would happen is that if I wasn't fully invested in it and if I didn't have strategies to cope with it, I'd just fall off the wagon after a week, which is what had happened for the 10 years prior. So I approached this in a very different way. And I'm going to share some of that with you now. So firstly, like I just mentioned, I got really quite intentional about it. In the back of my mind all the time, I knew that I was working towards this person, this version of myself that didn't drink or certainly didn't drink as much and certainly wasn't thinking about it on a Friday afternoon in work, thinking I can't wait to get home and have a glass of fizz. So I really started to make it more, this sounds weird, but I I got really intentional by reading lots and lots of books around it, setting myself up, if you like, for making the transition rather than just stopping cold turkey. It took a while and I really, really built up to it. The second thing that I did was that I started to try to have mini breaks from alcohol. So it started where, you know, I wouldn't have a drink in the week. Uh, So Monday through to Thursday, you know, was alcohol free often Sunday as well, but Friday and Saturday I did drink and often more than I would like. But what I started to do is I noticed throughout the week on the days that I was not drinking, I noticed how much better I felt, how much better sleep I got, how much more energy I had, how I ate better, how I just had less brain fog and really started to note that the days that I did drink, I felt tired. Sometimes I'd wake up and I'd think, didn't have that much to drink, but I can't entirely remember everything. And that's worrying. And I really started to incorporate all the books that I'd been reading and the negative things I now knew about alcohol and what it does to your brain and what it does to your body. And I started to apply those to myself to really create some pain around having a drink, to really make it not just like, well, I'm out, so I'm drinking, but it was it started to be a consideration. Should I have a drink or should I leave it? So it wasn't all or nothing. It was just an awareness. I think that's the word. I became more aware, more mindful of 
whether I was going to have one or not. It was a decision rather than just a, well, if I'm out, I'm out. Or if I'm having one, I'm having 10. You know, it became a bit more, like I say, intentional, mindful. I was more aware. And obviously in the background, reading a lot of these books, it was hard to unknow some of the stuff I'd learned about what alcohol does do to your brain, does do to your sleep, does do to your hormones and your body. So really started to apply that. I also was having trained in the past, I think it was 2017, to become a fitness instructor and level three personal trainer more because I just love it. I started to identify more with someone who was healthy, fit, someone who was always trying to progress in terms of her body. And I became to identify more with that person than the girl who I was in my 20s and 30s, going out, partying, traveling, drinking lots of lovely drinks, cocktails, having, you know, lots of gorgeous food and stuff. I started to become, to identify more with the life that I had now that still did feature alcohol in it, but actually there was so much more I wanted from life. I wanted a healthy, strong body. I wanted to be a good role model for my children. I started to leave the fun times and the crazy times, and I regret not one of them, by the way, but started to leave those where they belonged in the past and start to allow myself to grow into the woman I was becoming. And that woman felt like she didn't necessarily need alcohol as much as the person I was in my 20s and 30s. This Nicola that I was growing into the more mature Nicola, the more self-secure Nicola, the more confident Nicola didn't need the booze as much. And I started to identify with her more and more as I worked on my fitness, worked on my health and, and started to replace the booze with the more healthful habits. So really that was my preparation stage, if you like. The sort of being more mindful, more aware. Until then, I got serious and decided a date of when I was going to quit. And the date was basically I'd planned this massive anniversary party for my mum and dad's 50th wedding anniversary. And, you know, we'd organized private chef, loads of amazing food, loads of gorgeous drinks, like a special cocktail for the evening and all this business. You see, we don't realize how much alcohol really does play such a massive role in our lives. If Well, not everybody, but it did in mine. Like I say, we had a special cocktail um, for this event and I got really, really, because I'd been building up to it and really focusing on the pain and pleasure around alcohol and where I wanted to go, I decided that that party was going to be my final hurrah. That was going to be, I could have as much to drink as I wanted that night, enjoy it, just let my hair down, let loose. And then following that, I was no longer going to drink. And I was quite resolute in that. And I kept the date just to myself, didn't tell anyone at that point. And then about a week after the anniversary party, as I started to believe could do it, I'd made it the whole week without having a drink. So we were like maybe a week or two afterwards. I then sent a message to my close family and friends and I announced that I was going to be spending a period. I didn't tell them how long, but I was going to be spending a period sober. And I explained that I needed to change my relationship with alcohol, that it was starting to become a bit detrimental. I wasn't seeing it as a positive thing in my life at this time. 
and that I was drinking for the wrong reasons sometimes. And that I really, it was super important to me to get control back over this situation and develop as a person. I made myself accountable. So I really, you know, when I sent that message, a lot of it was because I wanted people to know so that whenever I was around them, if then I thought, oh, forget it, I'm going to have a glass of wine or, oh, forget it, I'll have a beer. Then everyone would be like, hang on a minute. I thought you said you were doing this. If you just, is that just gone out the window now? I'd be ashamed. I put myself in a position where I had to follow through and I asked for support. You know, I said to them, please help me with this. It will help me if, you know, when I do come to yours, please don't offer me a drink. Just assume I'm not having a drink. Just treat me like I've been, I've never drank. Treat me like that person. You know, I'll bring my own drinks. You don't have to adjust your behavior to suit me. Drink as much as you want in front of me. This isn't about you. I'm not asking anyone to adapt their behavior. Carry on as normal. This is about me. And I'm just purely here letting you know so that I can be accountable and also just to ask for some emotional support because I'm not sure how easy I'm going to find this. And you know what? Everyone was hugely supportive hugely supportive. But I guarantee, you know, if you do that, if you're, if you're telling your friends and family that you're doing something that's important to you and someone is not being supportive, then that person doesn't want you to succeed. So you need to just keep your distance from that person for a while. But my family and friends are all amazing. And my husband went, went one step further and decided to do it with me. And I'm going to be honest, that made it so much easier for me. That really did. I think I, I credit him doing it along with me to to my success in in sticking with it because together we just adopted a different lifestyle at home when we went out to eat we just didn't drink you know neither of us were, were tempting the other so it just worked amazingly well so thank you hubby for helping me with something that was so important to me he really was an absolute rock star and you know he didn't do it for me he did it for himself and together I think we then supported each other through it. So it it was brilliant. If you can get someone, you know, to do it with you, I think it makes you stronger, especially if that's your your partner or the person you live with or the people you're around. It really helps to do it as a team. So the next thing that I did is I got really very strategic about it. And I really listed down onto a piece of paper my trigger moments for whenever I wanted a drink. And it could have been anything like Friday night after work. I always wanted to drink. Usually used to drink a glass of red while cooking dinner for the family. Um, It used to be, you know, a barbecue or the other time was if I was bored, if I was really, really bored and it was the weekend and it was Saturday night and I was thinking, oh, it's just been bored. There's nothing to do. You know, we'd have a drink. So I started to really get to know my triggers. And another one was family get togethers. You know, we often would share a bottle of Prosecco and champagne and drinks were often flowing at family get togethers because we all like a drink. So I listed these triggers and then said, right, for the first 30 days, I'm going to need to avoid these triggers until I build up a little bit of, you know, momentum with this and have some wins in place. So for 30 days, I just explained to my family, look, I'm just going to have to do things a different way. I just want to avoid the usual family get togethers in the way that we do it, drinking and eating, because I need to just kick this habit, you know, for 30 days if I can. And, you know, I suggested let's go for some walks in the forest or on the beach and other things instead 
of the eating and drinking. Again, super supportive family and they were happy to do that with me. And we ended up switching our family routine at home and Simon started picking the girls up on a Friday night from school instead of me picking up on a Friday. And it was his job to cook something healthy and have it ready for when I got home. And, you know, I'd have a lovely glass of lemongrass. I absolutely love lemongrass with sparkling water, with loads of ice and, and some lime in it. And that was all ready for me when I got home. So it completely overcame that initial craving, if you like, for a drink, for a cold, lovely, crisp drink when I walked through the door after a hard day at work. So I identified my triggers and basically eliminated them in the first 30 days so that I could get some momentum going. And obviously all the while working on my health, fitness and other goals so that it felt like it was replacing, I was becoming more of the identity aligned with the identity I wanted to be. As the process went on, I started to really note the emotions I was trying to feel, the states I was trying to achieve through drinking. Because people don't drink just because they like the taste of drink. They don't just drink because they like the taste of alcohol. They don't. You know, if you were to give a child or an animal, someone who has not been programmed to believe that alcohol is aligned with success and celebration and all these things, that's just good advertising. That's just good marketing. You know, we're all programmed from such a young age to think that alcohol is this amazing thing that we're missing out on if we don't have it. Actually, it really isn't. I mean, what when you look into it, it isn't. But putting all that aside, you know, we're programmed to believe alcohol is this amazing thing. But if you give it to a child or an animal, I'm not saying you do that. Please don't do that. <laughs> By the way, please don't, please don't give a beer to your dog or a glass of wine to your three-year-old. This is, that would be an immensely bad idea. But if you, it, theoretically, if you did it, they would be repulsed. Yeah. Alcohol does not taste good. Yeah. It's not meant to taste good. That's why it's mixed with flavors to make it taste good. Alcohol, pure alcohol is disgusting. So we don't drink it because we enjoy it. We drink it because of how it makes us feel. And this has been the crux of the matter that I've wanted to get to. I needed to understand why I was drinking in a way that felt like it wasn't just lighthearted. Because something had happened, I think, since having kids, maybe COVID maybe it made it worse. I don't know. But something had happened where it didn't feel lighthearted anymore. And that's why I wanted to change my relationship with it. So I started to realize that oftentimes my life is very, you know, at the end of the day, I have two young children. They need taken to school Monday to Friday. They need collecting from school Monday to Friday. I work. I haven't got this crazy adventurous out there life. Sometimes it's boring. <laughs> it's boring sometimes. And I've noticed over the course of doing this that I drink because I'm sometimes bored. I'm trying to get that state change. I'm trying to get that feeling back to when I was 20 and 30 and life was just one big party and adventure. You know, I loved my life in my 20s and 30s. 40s, it shifted to a different pace, which I also love but in a very different way. But I find that when I'm bored, I'm looking for that excitement, that adventure again. And I guess that alcohol just gives that little hit of a, a excitement. 
it very quickly wears off. And again, the awareness around this whole process has allowed me to realize now that, you know, it might feel nice to have a drink in the moment, two or three. And then after the second or third one, then I just feel tired. It's not even like it's replaced the boredom or achieved anything. It's not. Another reason was because sometimes I was stressed and I felt like it, in inverted commas, took the edge off. And instead, I started to look to think, do you know what it will do? Is it will just numb the stress in the moment. And then the next day when I've not actually dealt with the problem that was stressing me out, and I'm hungover, and I feel tired, and a bit depressed because I've been drinking, it makes it worse. So I started to really feel empowered when I was stressed and not drinking. When I worked through the problem, when I addressed it full on, head to head, it made me feel more empowered. And the other one I found that I used to drink when I wanted to connect with people I saw it as I I celebrate with a drink, but really it wasn't the celebration that I was after. It was the connection with others. So I started to find other ways to connect with people, whether it be on walks, whether it be deeper conversations, whether it be um, going to dance class. I absolutely love dance. I started to embrace dance again and found that was a way that I could just connect with myself on a very deep core level. And I, it was replacing what, I was trying to achieve through the drink, but it just wasn't doing it for me. I started to understand what I was trying to get in terms of emotion and state from the booze. And again, it's all about awareness. The more aware you get, the better decisions you make. One thing that you will read over and over in any quit lit and when you read books by, you know, people who have been through Alcoholics Anonymous and stuff like that is this phrase, one day at a time. And I used to, I've heard this phrase, God, for years and years and years and just never really thought anything of it. But during this experience of being alcohol free, gosh, one day at a time was so powerful because what I'd tried in the past was I'm going to have seven days not drinking. I'm going to have 30 days not drinking. You will find that just the pressure of that goal, that timeline that I can't have a drink until this date makes you want one more. The one day at a time is interesting because you've made the decision already that you're giving up. So it isn't a case, the question isn't for how long anymore. It's just, you're waking up and going, today, I don't want to have a drink. Today, I really don't want to have a drink. Today, for all the reasons I've clarified in my mind, for all the reasons that I'm doing this, for all the efforts I've put into this, for the progress I've made so far, I don't want to drink. So the one day at a time really comes into its own when you just make the decision to stop, not put a timeline on it, but just to stop, to not have a drink that day. And I used to use a calendar. I've stopped doing it really, but I might actually start it again because it's really powerful. And every day I'd have the month of the calendar, the month of in front of me on the calendar. And each day at the end of the day, before I went to bed, I'd put a cross on the calendar if I had not had a drink. And those crosses just kept building. They just built and built and built. And before I knew it, it was 30 days. Before I knew it, it was 60 days. Before I knew it, 90 days. Before I knew it, a year had passed. And it was phenomenal how this just kept rolling. So one day at a time is powerful. And I'm going to move on to my next point to follow that. Don't get caught up in the perfect month, the perfect week. 
Don't get caught up in just having all those crosses. And this is what I found to be instrumental now in staying on track in terms of having a better relationship with alcohol, because I do have an occasional drink now, but it is occasional. It might, I might go a month without having a drink and then I might go to a party and have a couple of cocktails and that's it. But I still might have um, nights where I go to a party or an event with friends and I don't drink at all and drive home. And it's that that I wanted to achieve. It was that choice, the feeling of like, if I wanted a drink, it was because genuinely, like I might be on holiday. We've just recently got back from Greece and day three or four into the holiday, I was thinking like, oh, just go an Aperol spritz right now. Like that, that just looks delightful. And I had one, it was gorgeous. I loved it. And that, that was it. I didn't have another one that day because it just, it had hit the spot. And that was what I was trying to achieve with this experiment with, with going sober for such a long time is I wanted to change that relationship. It want, I wanted it to be a thought process rather than just, I'm out, I'm drinking, I'm on holiday, I'm drinking, I'm with a friend, I'm drinking, we're having a barbecue, I'm drinking, it's Friday night, I'm drinking. I wanted to cut that pattern and instead make it a decision. So when you're moving through this process, if if you go down this road, don't think of it as it's got to be the perfect week. I can't drink for seven days or I can't drink for a month or a year. Instead, don't get caught up on it if you have a blip. You know, if you have a drink one day, it does not counter all the crosses on your calendar, all the days that you've managed to, to get through it and make a better choice. A blip does not mean failure. A blip just means an opportunity to learn a lesson, an opportunity to think, well, you know, I made that choice today. You're not starting again the next day. I hate that. I hate that thought that because someone sometimes, it's like if, if someone's on a diet and then one day they cave and have a cream cake, then they feel like all their progress is undone and they're back at day one. That's absolute. I, I can't get on board with that way of thinking. Never undermine and belittle the progress that you've made and all those wins just because you've had a blip. So I always say to people, if you are looking to change your relationship with alcohol and you have a blip and sometimes you do have a drink, then as long as you're making progress and you're in a better place than where you were, that is still valid progress. So enjoy that, celebrate that, not with a, gla- not with a glass of fizz now, <laughs> maybe, but celebrate yourself, celebrate that win. But if you are sober curious, if you are thinking about changing your relationship with alcohol, I would highly recommend just following some of these strategies. To summarize, that would be to get intentional, to not necessarily at this point decide a date that you're quitting or to go that far, but just get a bit more intentional that you want to move away from your relationship with alcohol. As it, as it currently stands and towards a more healthful, vibrant, energetic, fit, strong life with less alcohol in it. Build up to it. Don't feel like you have to do it right now. Build up to it. Read the quitlet. I can't recommend enough to read the quitlet. And I've got on my blog, if you look on my website, thebestselfproject.co.uk, I have put some of my favorite sober books, sober reads on there. So I've put all my favorite quitlet on there. So check that out. Start becoming aware of the pain 
that you experience, whether it's tiredness, whether it's, you know, you get the sweats, whether it's you crave junk food the next day, whether it's you make a fool of yourself, you say stuff you don't mean, all the pain associated with alcohol, start becoming more mindful of that and start becoming more mindful of how how much better you feel when you don't drink it. If you then are ready, decide a date that you're going to quit for a bit and take it one day at a time. Get that calendar and mark the days off one day at a time. Tell your friends and family and tell them in a way where you're being very authentic about why you're doing this. Because when you are authentically asking people for help and support and telling them why it's important to you, they'd have to be a pretty toxic person to not show up for you in that way. You know, if they're they're not showing up for you after that point, then they're not really on your side. So announce it. Hold yourself accountable. Get familiar with your triggers. When are the times and where are the places and who are the people you are with when you want that drink? And I would recommend avoiding those people, places, times and filling them with something else until you get a bit more confident with making a better decision. And lastly, don't get caught up in perfection. If you fall off the wagon and have a couple of drinks one day, don't think of it as starting again. Just think of it as that was your little blip and you're continuing on on your journey. Stop thinking of it as all or nothing because when things are all or nothing, you fail or succeed. And the minute you have a blip, you think of it as failure and therefore you've got to start all over again. And that's exhausting. So don't think of it like that. Just think of it, this is a journey. You know, you can take a detour. It's not about perfection. This is just about progress towards something that you want to explore. It's progress to towards a better version of yourself, whatever that may be, whether it's going completely sober for the rest of your life, whether it's going sober for 30 days or whether it's just trying to make some better decisions sometimes. Everything counts. Every effort you make, every bit of progress, it's all relevant. So I hope that's helped you today. If you have been considering maybe a short period of sobriety, whether you just want to change your relationship with alcohol, whether you want to fall out and, you know, never have a drink again, then there are options. And again, it's not all or nothing. You don't have to decide what that needs to look like now. Just take it one day at a time. I hope that's helped you today. Thank you so much for listening to The Best Self Project. I hope you join me on the next episode next Monday. In the meantime, feel free to go to my website, thebestselfproject.co.uk for more inspirational articles and blogs. Take care and I'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Best Self Podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, be sure to subscribe and you would also massively be helping a girl out if you would rate and review the podcast today. I would love to know what you thought. Be sure to follow us on social media at The Best Self Project and I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.